In episode two of our interview with Joe Nelson of the Mass Cannabis Chefs, we talk about the farce of social equity in the Bay State, the future of infused food, and he thinks he can make me like Brussels sprouts. Yuck! Plenty more on In the Weeds with Jimmy Young. Don't look now, but it's a whole new world of weed out there. Pot is flower, it's Bruce Banner and Blue Dream. You've got bongs and dabs, resin and shatter, vaping and edibles, new terms, new strains, and new ways to use cannabis sativa, the plant. Some just made with CBD, and hemp has minimal THC. There's sativa and indica strains, and 100 chemicals, all legal in 10 states for adult use. There's a lot to get to know. Get used to it, folks, because it's legal in the Bay State and it's not going away. Neither is In the Weeds with Jimmy Young next. Revolutionary Clinics is just one of 49 medical cannabis dispensaries in Massachusetts, but there's a reason why it's one of the most popular. It's their patient-first philosophy. All day long, they teach, they educate, they communicate about this complicated plant called Cannabis Sativa. That's true. Whether you visit their Cambridge location in Fresh Pond at 110 Fawcett Street or at 67 Broadway in Somerville. Revolutionary Clinics, where the patient comes first. All right, this In the Weeds podcast with Jimmy Young is available on iTunes on the Cannabis Multimedia Network. It's also available on Audio Boom and, of course, the clnsmedia.com website. A video version is available on the Weed Tube, and, of course, that video version will also be on the Cannabis Multimedia Network. This edition is a little historic because we are streaming this live. And we are certainly very happy to have a very special guest in studio. His name is Joe Nelson of the Mass Cannabis Chefs. Joe, thanks for coming out here on a Friday. Oh, hey, Jimmy. How you doing? Very good. Very good. And and you do. Uh, you told me about two of these a month. Two every month, plus private events when we um, when we get hired for those as well. And uh, of course, you can find out about it at masscannabischefs.com. Yes, sir. Correct. Oh yeah. I just want to make sure we get a lot of plugs in oh, here yeah. for you, Joe. Masscannabischefs.com. I told you I'd Definitely. want you on. I want to talk to you about it because I really. I love this idea. Um, there's so many uh, foodies have become, you know, a term, mm-hmm. you know. And, and since for years when I worked at New England Cable News, you know, the Phantom Gourmet started there. And then TV Diner was there with Billy and Jenny, who have mm-hmm. now moved over to Dining Playbook at, at Nesson. Mm-hmm. And foodie has become, you know, a, a term of endearment in many ways because people like to find new restaurants. And where, where's your training, or is it just self-taught? Tell um, me. So me and my partner both, we... Uh, well, let's tell you who your partner is. We've okay. now mentioned him okay. a few times. Can okay. we give him a name? Because he has uh, a name. Uh, my partner is Chef Patrick Mulcahy. He, he's, uh, he's, he's, a really, he's an amazing chef. Is the only person that I... Uh, when 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 this idea happened and it was like okay well I need someone to do this with me and I I, I knew I couldn't do it alone and he was he was the immediate call he I was I called Pat I was like yo man we need I have this idea let's let's do this and yeah so we've been we've been like I said, we've been doing this almost two and a half years now I've known Pat and been working with worked with Pat for years before that he was one of my chefs actually we we met dabbing in a basement. Of course the, you of, did. Of the restaurant. Oh, yeah. of the restaurant of we worked. Of course you did. Of, of the restaurant we worked. I understand. No, I understood, <laughs> and I totally get that. That was, that, uh, that was how that was how my my first day went yep. working there. It was uh, okay. Let's uh, we're gonna go downstairs and smoke now. I said, what? We're gonna do what? We're gonna go downstairs and smoke now. I said, all right. Went downstairs. There was a rig in the basement. It was great. <laughs> yeah, it was good times. 
so the training for you. Okay, so me, I uh, I started cooking when I was. I mean, I started cooking for myself when I was very young. My mom's a terrible cook. <laughs> 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 she'll be, she'll be mad at me for saying that on air. But my mom's a terrible cook, and so I had to learn early how to cook things. Yeah, like and how if I wanted things to taste. Better. Better. <laughs> I needed to do it myself, and I needed to learn. She cooked a couple things well, but, like, that was it. She yep. could cook, like, a few things. Right. But that got boring for me. I yep. was, like, a varietal eater when I was a kid, mm-hmm. but I was also picky, so it was like I needed to be able to do things for myself. Did, so I figured it out pretty early. Did you, did you eat vegetables as a kid? Uh, some, not a lot. Yeah, me uh, neither. I don't think day. any I – lo- I like vegetables these days. I eat a lot of vegetables that I never would have eaten when I was a kid. Yep. Like, I eat Brussels sprouts. I love Brussels Ugh. sprouts these days. They're so good, Jim. They I'm smell gonna, I'm, so bad. I'm going to cook you Brussels sprouts, and you're going to eat them, and you're going to love them. Well, I'm going to bring, bring my pal along with me because she loves crispy. Yeah. That's Brussels the only way sprouts. to make them. Right. Only way to eat. If your Brussels sprouts aren't cooked until they're crispy, then they're not cooked. I'm sorry. Ah, right. If they're not cooked until they're crispy, in my personal opinion, they're not cooked. There you go. Um, but uh, so personal training, I started in. Uh, I was 16 and maybe 15. Just started. 15 when I started there. Yeah. I was 16 Ten years ago. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, 14 years ago. Okay. I guess. All right. Uh, all right. All yeah. Right. So I was 15. I was definitely 15. So because I was, it was it's 15 years now that I've been cooking. So, so I was working at a Bertucci's. No, I was working okay. at a Bertucci's doing takeout. And uh, on Sunday mornings, it was like the thing. I started. I was a Sunday morning guy. I would do the the to goes or whatever. Very slow Sunday mornings, if you yeah, would believe. Yeah, yeah. But I would watch the the pizza guy next to me like doing all his prep for the day and making pizzas for like the lunch rush because people would come in and get pizza for lunch and where mm-hmm. I was at it was a good location for that mm-hmm. and uh, I just like watched him every day until I just kind of knew how to do everything that he was doing over there I could just like see it I'd ask him questions because I was bored mm-hmm. when I had nothing to do I'd help him out or whatever mm-hmm. so one night they were uh, they were down a guy on the line and I was just like hey I can do that. You don't need to like call somebody. Okay. Like I can do that. Right. And I, and like, I was right like, in. you know, I was like, you don't need to train me. Like I can do that. Yep. Jump right like, in. They're like, yeah. I, was, I, was, I did it, and I've Kidding. been cooking ever since. That was like my first foray into like you know, cooking of any kind. So Italian food was the first thing I ever made. This was years ago too, before Bertucci's got more uh, corporatized and more. Uh, crappy their oh. food's not so good these days yeah uh the past everything kind of started changing towards the end of when i worked there i worked for that company two and a half years mm-hmm. and um they were really they were a great company when mm-hmm. i started working for them the food was like delicious everything was kind of scratch made that all really started changing later on mm-hmm. when i was there and i was just kind of so upset. what was the next step beyond Bertucci's? The, so the next step beyond bertucci's because you make i worked at a bunch of uh a bunch of different just like you know pubs and just different places where i learned how to work on a line which i think is one of the most important things working in a restaurant is learning how to actually work in a restaurant kitchen Mm -hmm. efficiently Mm -hmm. and being able to cook at a fast pace and still put out a consistent product that's of the standard of the quality that the product is supposed to be put out Uh, like standardized cooking like that's very important and that's something that cooking schools don't teach anybody that's like what you don't learn in a culinary school gotcha so uh what and what got me into ending up uh, wanting to go into more like fancier styles and things like that. I was living in the city and I found a job. Uh, do you know Box One Hundred Nine in Newton? Yeah. Newton, uh, oh, that, uh, Hotel, Hotel Indigo. Indigo. Yeah. yeah, I've been there I, I many worked, times. I worked there. For it was a, a Holiday Inn yeah. and it wasn't so nice yeah. back then. Let's yeah. just say. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, Box One Hundred Nine was yeah. uh, 
at one point was like a very high rated restaurant yeah. in, in in Boston, in yeah. the Boston area. Yeah. And uh I worked there um I worked there for a while, uh, not not too long, but I worked there for a little while. It didn't work out. But it, it didn't work out because I wasn't ready for that environment yet. Mm-hmm. It also didn't work because the people I worked with were snobs and uh everybody was either in culinary school, freshly out of culinary school or like on their way or what externships or whatever they, a, and i had nothing like that i was right. all just self-taught like or experiential experience. learning yeah. we call that i, I was yeah. an experienced learner right. they were it's the best way to learn by the way i i agree yeah. uh, that's how everybody learned how to do everything back in the day if you think about it before there were schools people just took on apprentices right and that's how you learned your trade you were right. an apprentice if you wanted to be a head chef you you started at the bottom of the barrel and you learned from a head chef from like a like a top chef at a restaurant and you mm-hmm. worked for him or whatever that's how i learned a lot of things i worked for a lot of great chefs over the years that taught me a lot of really cool things and that was the first foray into like really fine dining and yep. like learning just different things and i the first time I learned about microgreens. I'm obsessed with them these days. Explain I use, what a microgreen is. <laughs> Go ahead, because I so, have no uh, clue. A microgreen is they take a bunch of seeds and they grow. They literally cer- certain greens say like arugula or, bro- or broccoli or mustards or things of that nature. Um, before there's the what the fruit that you know of from those things, they just have little sprouts. Mm-hmm. There's just a little sprout that comes out. It packs a lot of flavor and nutrients and everything in that little sprout. Because it's got all the nutrients for life at mm. that point in that little sprout, plus all the flavor of what that would be because it's fresh out of the seed, fresh out of the ground. And you grow them till they're you know two inches tall, roughly, sometimes yeah. a little less than that. Yeah. And uh, you use those. So if you look at any of our dishes online, you'll see microgreens on damn near every dish that I put out because I'm obsessed. I'm looking. Oh, uh, no, they're not. I, I mean pictures. You'd have to see the pictures. Oh, they're I'd not, have to see the pictures. They're not always okay. in the menu. Um, they're just like a garnish, a little a- added thing that I put on and... It's a little. It's a little touch. It's a signature. It just looks pretty. Yeah. It looks pretty on a plate. Yeah. Little bits of colored greens or whatever just look nice. And Some on your them, site, you do have um, all the pictures. Of, all the pictures. I have pictures from pretty much every event that we've ever done. And you've gotten some media too. I watched um, the Channel old, Five stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, the the mass marijuana special on on Channel Five that they did that yep. was on, aired right after Chronicle originally. Yep. Uh, we've been in the Boston Globe a couple times. Write-ups in a bunch of other different... Sensi, uh, I think Sensi Magazine. Uh, we we were in Sensi Magazine yeah. at one point. We all love Dan. Um, it's okay to Dan, say that. I, 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 we all I'm, love I'm Dan a, McCarthy. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Dan I McCarthy, too. I'm a groupie. Actually. I'm a groupie. I'm, I'm a big fan. I've actually I've, I've followed Dan McCarthy's work from a while before Sensi Magazine. Yeah. I'm, I'm a fan of, of a lot of local Boston And we're going to be doing uh, May 29th. They're having another Sensi night down yeah. in Boston at the Royale, and we're going to mm-hmm. be live streaming from there. Oh, uh, we've done it before their mm-hmm. partner that was. was. Where, I believe that's where we met, Jim. Yeah, I think you I think you were right. Yeah. Although uh, I don't have a recollection of that. I just no, want to say. No, uh, that was, uh, that was uh, one <laughs> the of first the, one. Yeah, I think the so. The first one. <laughs> I think so, yes. <laughs> the second one I worked, so I yeah. remember that one. Um, what's your favorite thing to prepare? What's your favorite dish? I mean, I'm looking at some pretty that's cool things. That's the toughest thing. we got duck. Fricassee. I, I see a hanger steak, potato croquettes. Oh, yeah. I can't pronounce some of this stuff because I'm not Latin, you know. Oh, I can do beet salad, but I don't eat it. Okay, beet salad is delicious. I know a lot of people feel that way. I do like mandarin cheesecake tarts, though. That sounds really good. Yeah, that's um. I, I like to cook desserts, man. I like to make the sweets. I like working on pastry. You just did a pastry, didn't you? Uh, uh, pastry d- different can... type, but different type of pastry. Okay. Uh, I w- okay, so. 
not a different type of pastry. That that night was focusing on different styles of pastry dough. Okay. Um, some savory, some sweet. Yep. A lot of European pastry dough. A lot of European pastry outside of France is um, is savory. It's not sweet. Gotcha. Uh, well, I'm, I have a sweet tooth. I think I we talked too. about this. I do too. You know, I'm <laughs> still waiting for that pie from the Freedom Rally. Yeah, you know hey, what I mean? Well, you didn't I make came it over in too late. Well, you know, I told you when to be there. Jim. You know, I was losing my dabbing virginity, I so I, I had a little trouble getting there. back. Let's just say. <laughs> I believe it. I told you what time to be there. I know. I know. I'm, I know. You know, the thousand milligram pie only lasts so long. I guess not. I you guess should have seen the line the second day. It was absurd. There yeah. was a group of people said like there was like 60, 70 people just standing there waiting for pie. Wow. That now, do you, there was one pie. I understand one pie. Hey, one so like, inch pie. How many crumbs can you get out of that one I pie? Out, I cut out pieces. I may have gotten fifteen to really twenty pieces out of that pie because I cut small slivers. Right, but uh, that's cool. That's very cool. That's still only fifteen to twenty people that I got know, that pie a lot out of, of all those people who like. Drew- I had people on my staff who wanted pie. Who were angry that I didn't have didn't pie have for enough pie. I was like, sorry. Um, do you see a day where there'll be an infused menu alongside the regular menus in regular restaurants? No, never will happen. Maybe, maybe years down the line. First, we're going to see restaurants that are geared towards solely infused dining. Okay, I think that's going to be the first thing. Uh, it's actually what I'm trying to one of the things we're working towards right now yep. but we're waiting for could that regulation be, would that be a social club of sorts yeah it, okay. of sort, it wouldn't it wouldn't be a social club in the sense that it would need to be privatized though um, once it once the license is delivered once, and once the they figure out how they're going to do it yeah once they have right. licensing I can't imagine that that would have to be a privatized thing because it would be similar to like a bar right where you go to to drink right you would just go to this place to Eat to eat or infuse to, to like to eat eat or vape. I probably would never be able to get a smoking allow. I don't know. If, I don't know. Not if indoor. I, I don't know if they're going to give even unless with proper ventilation. But I right. I don't know that they will uh, ever really allow that again in Massachusetts without it being a private club. Right. Don't uh, forget, you do have cigar bars and you do have hookah bars. Yeah. They do in inflame or at least in the hookah bar. I guess they just heat it up to the point yeah. where it, it. So it is a it is it is a possibility. It's really going to depend on their regulation and what they give us when it comes down. I don't know what they're coming to right now. As we were kind of discussing earlier, they're yeah. at a weird spot right now, and I don't know what they're. They're what's over. Doing. I think they're overwhelmed in they're many ways. Hi- highly overwhelmed and. Uh, but they're doing the best job they can. Steve Hoffman and I have had a great couple of talks about it, and Shalene is awesome. I'm a big fan of Shalene. We all, we all, she is like big, a champion. big fan of Shalene. We are title. all champions of, of Shalene. Um, but it isn't an easy job. They're yeah. they're writing I, I history. They're trying to make everybody happy, mm-hmm. and you know, unless they less si- big business getting happy, and let's talk more about our local businesses being and, happy and the inner city too. Yeah, which that's, is, that's once again, yeah. they they local want to do social equity, and yet we have yet we to have, have no, one in the have, inner city. We have no social equity. That's Period. just let's just they they preach social equity hardcore. Right. They had they've allowed they, one small business retail license that I heard about the Carolines. Uh, yeah, Carolines. Carolines. Yeah. The only one. Right. And when and in Uxbridge. I know. Trust me, I lived in Mendon. Let, let, I know I, where I, Uxbridge I, is. I lived in Milford. I yes, know where so Uxbridge you know exactly. Is. Where but let me and let me tell you, uh, there's not there's, much. There's, there's, there. there's not much um, <laughs> underprivileged and underserved community out gotcha. there. That's a very limited underserved community, I and mean, you have to go to like. Whitensville, it's a little further. Yep. You know what I mean? You got to go a little bit further out there to get some, like, you know, underserved. Right. But, I mean, you know, let's let's get something in the city where the people need it, in the cities where it's needed. How 
if you're doing two meals, I mean, mm-hmm. it seems to me um, you need more. You, you, oh, you can handle a lot more business. Oh, I could do a whole lot more than that. Uh, it's it's not that easy to draw people out to more events than that with the limited advertising that we're able to do because uh, that's one of the the laws that uh, that that kind of screws us because it's it's illegal to advertise for an event. That for a public s- event where cannabis will be served, uh, served or will be allowed, will be used, consumed. Well, where where there where there will be consumption. Yeah, right. I you guess have that's to, like, you can advertise a non-consumption yeah. event. You can advertise non-consumption, and events. you can advertise a semi-private event, which mm-hmm. is kind of what you which do. Which is what we do, right? But which is we we kind of like toe that line, and that's a. Uh, as last I checked, that was a fine that it for 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 the advertising of that of an event like that, and so how we've ex- always you know it's 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 it's, it's just. We, we be, we're careful there. We try to be anyway. Revolutionary Clinics is just one of 49 medical cannabis dispensaries in Massachusetts, but there's a reason why it's one of the most popular. It's their patient-first philosophy. All day long, they teach, they educate, they communicate about this complicated plant called Cannabis Sativa. That's true. Whether you visit their Cambridge location in Fresh Pond at 110 Fawcett Street or at 67 Broadway in Somerville. Revolutionary Clinics, where the patient comes first. In the Weeds is a podcast for the Cannabis Multimedia Network for the enjoyment and education of our audience. It is available on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and a video record is available on the WeedTube and on the Cannabis Multimedia Network. Any medical advice is not a reflection of the management of CLNS Media or Cannabis Multimedia Network.